0: coming in uh, we got to pray that everybody gets that desire to serve god and we was just talking about a lot of the churches have shut down because of this corona stuff and they're not coming back you know you get out of serving god you have to get in that has to become a lifestyle has to become just the thing you do and when you change that it's a dangerous ground
1: yeah
0: so we we can't we can't quit. You know, we can't quit. But we got to be safe. we got to remain safe. we got to try to protect each other from this world that's out there, this craziness in this world. But we can't quit serving God. You know, and I believe there's a lot of people out there that are going to fall away from God because of this. Because yes. it's giving them an excuse to not come to church, not serve God, not learn the Word, not dig into the Word. And instead of drawing closer to God, they're drawing closer to the things of the world. Yeah. And that's a dangerous place to find yourself. So we can't allow that to happen to ourselves even on the days that we're not here We've got to somehow get get a little bit of God in our lives a little bit of God in our heart If we have to sit down on our own and read the Bible So that's why we're here. I'm glad to see everybody here good to see everybody in the house of God And with a desire and a willingness to put yourself out there and serve him so, let's pray. Brother Sean, would you pray over this morning's lessons?
1: Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity that you've allowed us to gather together in fellowship, Father. We pray and ask for your Holy Spirit to be loosened within every aspect of this church, with everyone that's here, actually physically in this building, and everyone who couldn't make it here today, whatever the circumstance, Father. We pray that your Holy Spirit move in their lives and you give us the, the understanding and the revelation that we need to come closer to you, Father. We give our lives up to you is a living sacrifice to you, Father. And we pray that you bless us that are here and that you bless those that are at home and couldn't make it because of illness or sickness, Father. We pray that you continually move in their lives and that you teach them the things that they need so that they could draw close to you, Father. Lord, we thank you for everything. We praise you this morning and we welcome you into this
2: service. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 clap. Good, Good morning, Rock Harbor. Good, morning. Good to see everybody this morning. We're on page 36 in our study guides. We've been been kind of brushing through. It's been going real quick through the Old Testament. Now we're in the the New Testament, Uh, obviously switching gears um, to New Covenant, and you're going to hear me um, speak. Uh, here and there about some of the parallels and the, you know the type and shadows that you know we had come out of in the old covenant switching over into the new covenant um, and some of the things that you and I enjoy today uh, because of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, also, some of the you know some of the things that we've seen. Well, there's a lot of argument you know about the Old Testament and you know whether you should do this or whether you should do that and um, some of it being. Uh, from the old uh, Judaism, where the origin of Christianity come from, and um, some of it, you know, obviously being just legalistic things, and so we get into that the, this this morning, and uh, you know, the, the legalistic side of, of church is always something I've always been interested in, because it, it goes all the way back to the Pharisees and the things that they did, and um, and, and legalism doesn't always have you know this written set of laws in front of it legalism a lot of times is an attitude it's a frame of mind that people have towards church towards the gospel you can have a legalistic frame of mind um, and be stuck in a particular place within yourself um, and not be able to get out of it because we're so staunch at times about holding our position uh, on certain subjects in certain areas in our lives so we're going to We'll talk about that as we go, but I think that's a good thing to get into. So we're talking about the Messiah coming. central so truth is that uh, God sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from sin. Let's get started. This is the first lesson of a six-lesson unit providing an overview of the New Testament. In this unit, we will observe the fulfillment of the prophecy of God's promised Messiah and learn more about his ongoing plan for the final redemption of all who believe in him. The le- this lesson focuses on the centerpiece of God's plan the coming of the Messiah, to give his life for fallen humanity, then to rise again, providing hope for eternal life. So we all know that if you're Christian, that's what we have put our faith in. Let me put it that way. That's what we put our faith in is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the centerpiece, like I said, it's the centerpiece of what we believe. And that's why we know that if anything else comes along that is away from the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ and our faith in that then that is incorrect it's wrong and that's the thing that you have to watch out for today as as believers is you come back to that centerpiece now what i'm seeing today is very tricky because you see a lot of faiths and and people are saying a lot of things about the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ and then they've twisted some things and you got to be real careful about what you allow yourself to listen to as far as being taught because when we're coming at you you know if you just say well i heard this guy listen this guy really like him and i've heard him talk about the resurrection you know i've heard him talk about uh christ i think it does us good to to make sure that their belief is centered in the death and the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ and then what that means to christians today there is a lot of stuff out there that oh my goodness it's left field and right field and all in between so at the end of the day the bible says that you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling meaning you're going to have to make a decision yourself you've got to do your own homework my goodness i tell you i said this wednesday night we have this massive flow of information today massive i also see this massive flow of information even in christianity today massive flow everybody is standing up and they say i'm a prophet you need to listen to me. I got this. You need to listen to me. I've got the I'm I'm on the inside with God. You need to listen to me. And then there's all these people and they put all their opinions out there. They're like, "Well, I think it's this and I think it's that." And you would think that that would be beneficial. But it's not. It actually I mean, and you tell me if I'm wrong. You tell me if you don't feel the same thing. You listen to this and you're like, "Well, that guy said this. But this guy says it this way." I'm a little confused. And then we automatically, we're like, well, hold on a second. So first, you know, as Christians, we know it's like, well, confusion comes from the devil. So we know that he's the author of confusion. So a lot of times what Christians do is instead of actually researching it ourselves, I say, you know what, let me read the word. Let me look at the Greek and the Hebrew. Let me figure this out myself. What we do is we just take a step back. I don't want to be a part of that. <coughs> I'm not going to listen to anybody. So it's, that's not always the correct response. That the thing that I see more than anything today is is that we derive all of our information from certain places certain places now you know this is true <laughs> we derive a lot of our information from from certain places Facebook I mean let's be honest do you not receive a lot of the things that you hear about and know of in a day's time from Facebook media some somebody posted Something somebody said some okay so this person said this and this person said this and then that person tells that person and it's just like whew, it's like wildfire and maybe you don't do that and i hope you know i don't even put facebook on my phone because of the effect that it has on me cuz I, I always tell my wife my first emotion is always anger <laughs> and i have to i have to i have to contain that and keep that contained so i can't read a bunch of information that i don't agree with because <laughs> it makes me upset and so you think you think your life you say well i have this under control you know i'm disciplined i don't i don't fall into those kind of things that's great but there's a lot of people that don't there's a lot of people that's their media site that's their news site that's their bible that's where they get the gospel that's where they get the the encouraging words everything comes from this one media source and i'm not knocking facebook per se i'm talking about overall think about the time invested think about the information that flows through that and think about the accuracy of it and then think about how that affects people that affects us and so uh increase of knowledge is what the bible said is that there'll be a vast increase in knowledge in the last days i think that's exactly what it's talking about that's my opinion i think the vast increase in knowledge comes from media it comes from everybody having full access to whatever they want to get their hands on at any time they want to get it think about it you can do that today you if you want to know it and i i use it to my advantage, sometimes to my disadvantage, but I use it to my advantage. Most of the time I say, you know, I don't want to know what that word means. Click it up. I get it. It's great. It's convenient. I want to know what this means. You can get it. I want to unwind. Two hours goes by before we even know it. Media. And the effect of media and the way that we get our information, it's almost like Media today has turned into like a Walmart. It's almost like an all inclusive place where everybody goes to get all of their stuff. They, I mean, that's, that was the big hit. You know, Walmart when it first came out, it was big. It's like the biggest shopping deal. You could go to all one place. You, they'd never heard of it before. Never, n- no one had ever seen that before, as far as from an economic level. Um, they were the first people to actually branch off in that. Media today wants you to go to this one place and you get all of your knowledge from it. True or false, it don't matter. We just want you to come get it here. We got to watch out for that kind of stuff.
3: You know, grow, growing up, what what consisted of uh, the news on TV? Even then, you think twenty five or thirty years ago that most of what you were getting was say 75 80% Oh, sure, entry. sure, okay, yeah. Today, you might as well be listening to the devil. No. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. absolutely. I mean, they they take it and run with it and run yeah. it into the ground and spend it, It's, it's more it. of it, It's more of like Facebook than it is the news. It's the yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's to feed the masses. Uh, maybe makes you think. And I know this may not be right for this scenario, but pink floyd the wall that cartoon where they're this yeah. you don't need no education it's the news it's that that's this it's over and over and yeah. over it's manipulating your minds sure. i mean it absolutely it's just day in and day
2: out day yeah. in and day Look. wake up yeah well and and i'll say this and then We'll we'll keep moving, and sometimes I think, you know, when we have these conversations, sometimes I think drop-ins are good. You know, sometimes we'll get off track a little bit, but I think this is a good reason to get off track. Narratives are everything, and you always got to watch the narratives, watch the themes, watch how things shift from one narrative to the next. And you, we have as God's people, you have got to be aware of narrative shifting and be able to know where the truth comes from. Because we're back, I'm coming back to this. We're coming back to uh, talking about the Messiah. We know this as being the absolute truth. We don't accept anything else but the truth. And so I think that that's something that we always, as God's people, we always need to want to ask that question. What is the truth? I want to find the truth, show me the truth, and that's what I'm going to go with. Amen. Well, and if we ever get away from that, and that's our narrative, is truth. Because that's what sets us free. That's what keeps us free is the absolute truth. And that's the, that's the rule of thumb all through society. Truth brings, brings freedom. And, and, and lies and deceit always bring bondage.
1: Well, brother, you, you hit all around that. But, you know we have to know the word. And yeah. If we don't know the word, mm-hmm. we better find out about the word. That's a good point.
0: Yep. Very it good. It don't matter
1: how much you think of a person. Yeah. You know how good you think they are, or how much they know
2: about the Bible. That's right. You better know it for yourself. You better know it for yourself. That's because a good you point. You can
1: be led astray.
2: Yes. That's good, Jim. Okay. Good conversation, guys. I think these come up for for reasons, so let's keep moving. All right, um, God's plan and His timing are perfect. When the set time had fully come, God moved forward with His plan of redemption. Now, I want to stop right there for just a minute. Said God's plan and His timing are perfect. Well, do do we do you agree with God's ability to to time everything exactly the way He wants it? He's really good at that. The the thing about timing, and I want to, I want to talk about this for just a minute. And, and it's the way it's often the way we see it as his children and then in servitude to him and it's often the thing that sets us back we have a tendency to look at timing God's timing to be good or bad based on how long we have to wait or how short we have to wait a lot of times that's how we view God's timing whether it worked or whether it didn't work was how long we had to wait and it's funny because it's like, you know, God exists out of time. And so it's funny that we put so much emphasis on the wait. And it's, and it's like, if God doesn't meet me at this point, then God must have missed it. I didn't pray enough or what, whatever the, the situation. And it's funny that we, we don't down and water down God's ability to do things to having to wait too long. We must have missed it if I had to wait too long. That's absolutely not even close to the truth. I mean, we're way off base once we start getting to the point where we're thinking, well, I prayed and I needed it by this time and so he must not have heard me. And so think about this. Think about how uh, often we feel or perceive victory, okay? How often we perceive and feel victory in a situation, it's often based on our things going the way that I perceive them to be and if there are they are going according to the time frame and to plan. I often, I find myself in, you, you think, desperation prayer. You guys know what that looks like. Desperation prayer. Because God hadn't showed up. Timing. Timing. You're taking too long. I've been defeated because you took too long. Think about it. There a lot of a lot of prayer time and, and, and victories and defeats based on time frame but God's timing is directly connected to his perfect plan that's the first one it's directly connected to his perfect plan and his glory in the situation so if he give it to you at your time frame he might not get the glory and if you've ever you've ever seen God work you know he works this way he makes sure that at some point you felt out of control because if he didn't, then you would think that you did it. So he has to do that. And, and I'm talking from a very theological standpoint. When I look at this from an outside source, I'm thinking, wow, so amazing the way that he does that. And it's, it's not predictable. You don't know when he's gonna do it, but he makes sure that you know he's in control. And so the way that he does that is by allowing you to, at some point to feel completely out of control. He has to do it. Otherwise, you'll think that you had something to do with it. I mean, I have, in my, my ridiculous brain, I have depicted, and I'm like, okay, I can see what you're doing. Okay, I see, judging by your past behavior, judging by what you've done in the past, and I'm bringing all these things in, and I'm like, you're going to do this. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, there's no other scenario there's no other scenario for you to be able to work. There's no way you can surprise me on this. Every time. Every time. He's like, uh, I'm going to do it like this. And he shows his intelligence. He shows his sovereignty. He shows his authority and his timing by coming in and doing what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and it's always perfect every single time. So and the reason I wanted to talk about that is because I think often we do as Christians we do we feel we feel defeat and we feel victory based on that time frame. A lot of, sometimes God does. Sometimes God allows things to work according to the way that you thought they would and it works out. But it's when you look back over the years like I have and I've seen him do certain things, I realized that those times when I thought I was in control and it worked out the way I thought, he was actually the one that permitted it the whole time he had permitted the whole thing it was all in his grasp all up to him and if he wanted and he allowed it to work that it had nothing to do with me i just thought i was in control and so we have to we have to make sure that we're not being defeated in our prayer life in our in our in our spiritual walk because god didn't do something according to our time frame there are many people today that are defeated today they are defeated this morning because god did not show up the way that they thought or perceived he should showed up, in the time frame, in the manner that that he was supposed to show up, once we can get past that, I think that's growth. I think we're growing. Once you finally get past, you have this realization that, hey, it's up to God. He'll take care of it. I've I've talked to certain people over the years that you could tell they were mature in the spirit. They had had some experiences in their life, and they're like, it's okay. I mean, literally, things are falling down around them. And they were like, it's okay. No, I'm serious. It's God is in control. It's going to be okay. It's going to work out. I mean, they're not talking from a mental state of mind. They're telling me from experience, from things that they've been through and endured. And so that's that's something that we have to really uh, as, as God's people recognize his time frames. So it says that God moves forward with his plan of redemption. The law and the prophets had provided much instruction and hope leading up to this moment. Through Jesus, redemption had come. In a relativistic world it is important to grasp that jesus is god's plan for salvation he is not a savior among others so so relativistic or or the uh something being relative so it's it's absolute okay so when we're talking about god in this world he is absolute so when it says that he is not a savior among others so what is the how does the bible present him the bible presents him as being the one and only okay uh-huh. Amen. The, the one and only and so you can look and you can see all of the other religions and other faiths and other gods and all these other people that want to create these things but we live in a relative world and in this relative world he's king he's king and there's there's no opposing that there's no changing that and the bible supports that from start to finish from Genesis to revelation he's king of kings he's lord of lords he's over all things He's the Savior of the world. Accepting the salvation he provides and giving witness uh, to the world of that salvation is the missional purpose of the church. Okay. Let's read our scriptures this morning, page 37. Sorry, I took a little longer in that beginning stanza than I wanted to. Haley, do you mind reading? Yes.
4: Can I read either
2: one? You can read either one.
4: Okay. Go right ahead. Matthew one twenty one, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call him his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And he said unto them, How it how is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy. I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go un- into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a school, which is in the Hebrew Golgotha where they crucified him and two others with him and either side one and jesus in the midst the first day of the week cometh mary magdalene early when it was yet dark unto this sepulcher sepulchre. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and seeth this stone taken away from the sepulchre mary magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the lord and that he had spoken these things unto her then the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Thank you. Hallelujah.
1: All right. All
2: right. Section one Jesus' birth and childhood. The Gospel of Matthew begins with the revelation of how God miraculously fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament to provide salvation from sin. Matthew noted that Mary was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. Then focused on the confirmation of this to Joseph, Mary's husband. Mary and Joseph had entered into a binding pledge to be married. During the uh, intervening year, Mary was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Although Joseph could have called for Mary's stoning or embarrassed by her public spectacle, he chose to divorce her quietly. All right. So, just quickly, and, and I know that we've been having to kind of buzz through these things, so we don't have a lot of time to spend on them. Just talking about a bit of the, the, the subject material that they're, they're speaking of here. So, we're talking about Joseph and Mary, and we're talking about the, her uh, being pregnant with Jesus. So, it says here that they were in a binding pledge to be married. And although Joseph could have called for Mary's stoning or embarrassed her by public spectacle, he chose to divorce her quietly. That was a choice, but that actually wasn't common. And that's interesting. And I'll 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 tell you why that's so interesting is because we find out what kind of person he was by his response to this. Because this was embarrassing, obviously, for Mary, but this was embarrassing for him. So a lot of times, that you know, to, to make a public spectacle and to... To, to make an example of her, that made, that kind of erased the embarrassment. It's like, we would just go ahead and get rid of her and kill her and, and uh, you know, shame on her for, for um, making me look that way. But it's not what he did. He, he was going to divorce quietly and it shows why he was chosen. Now you will you go back to Mary and, and God chose her because of her purity. Because of the kind of woman that she was, young lady, she was young. I think. I think. What was she? Anywhere somewhere between twelve and fourteen years old, somewhere around in there. Flower of her youth, it's the way it describes it. And so, um, we get a glimpse of the kind of person that Joseph was here. The the kind of attitude that he approached things, merciful, mm-hmm. merciful. So he says before he could do so, an angel informed him that Mary's pregnancy. Was through the Holy Spirit. The Son must be named Jesus, and Jesus would bring salvation to the world. Can you imagine being him? <laughs> you, just put yourself in his shoes, in their culture, for just a minute, and think about the the, the roller coaster that this guy's on. I mean, uh, his he's going to divorce Mary. He's convinced, obviously, she's cheated on him. There's no other reason for him to believe anything else. Uh, she's, she's been promiscuous. They thought she was an honorable woman. So you can imagine the gossip and the things that are going on within the family on his side. And so he's, he's beside himself. He's thinking, oh, this is just an awful thing. I just want to break ties. I don't want any trouble. Let's just get away from this. I'm going to go back to work and, you know, maybe I'll find somebody somewhere down the road. And then an angel visits him. I mean, it, it's like the lowest low and the highest high. You can't get any lower than him. But then again, you can't get any higher than having an angel visit you and tell you that your your wife is going to bear the Son of God. It just don't get no better than that. Amen. So I'm trying to think in my head, this roller coaster this guy's going through. And so, unbelievable um, life that this guy and experiences this guy experienced. So it's both Joseph and Mary displayed true righteousness as they accepted the roles God had given them, their righteousness was illustrated by their faithful practice of Judaism. They... Uh, they attended the festival of Passover annually, but their attendance when Jesus was 12 years old was special. And, and, and so a lot of people would disagree, and they get all, you know, people get all uptight and they're like, oh, no, wait a second. They, you know, they were Christians, right? It was Judaism. That was the Christianity of the time. Okay, and you got to remember, Ju- Judaism is the root of Christianity. And, and, and you got to understand the culture it was born in, and they've done things a lot different than we do things here a lot different. If you ever watch, if you ever get into actually studying any of the, the, the Judaism, it was. It was it was, it was was based on the law of Moses, and there was a lot of legality things that you had to follow. I'm not talking about Pharisee legalism. I'm talking about things that just had to be done a certain way, and that's just the way that it was. And so it's a lot different now, and, and I've always given that example that I, I'm so thankful because of the, the sacrifice of Jesus because... From a from a law standpoint, that stopped all sacrifices. So if we were we were really into the old way of doing things in you know, old Judaism, we'd still be sacrificing animals, and that would be really lousy, because then we have to. I mean, annually you got to go get you good. You got to get the best, and you got to bring it to the priest, and he's going to sacrifice it, and then it's just this whole rhetorical thing, and you, and and really then too, you, one thing you got to remember is that your sins were not actually forgiven; they were blotted out. Not forgiven. And that's different. <laughs> that's different. So Christ, when you really you start to think about the ramifications of Christ and what He brought, He brought one hundred percent absolute forgiveness. Meaning, cut off. Not anymore. It's gone. I always go back to that. And there's so many there's so many things that have uh, come since then. Um, I've looked at a, a bit of church history. Um, within the first couple hundred years after the resurrection of Christ, that's where you get all of your other faiths and religions because Christianity was booming. It was hot. It was going. And so as it began to spread, people took it and they were like, well, I want to do something like this. Eh, I don't want to do this. And that's where the Catholic Church came out of that. It come out of that early stages, a couple hundred years, I think, 500, maybe 600 years, somewhere around in there. You have your roots of those other faiths and religions branching off from Judaism. They all, had a, they all had a root in that, but it was taken and then turned different ways. I wish I had time to really get into that. We could really talk about some really interesting stuff there. Um, as the pilgrims left Jerusalem to return home, Jesus stayed behind, unknown to his parents. At that time, women and children traveled in one group, while men and older boys traveled in another. His absence was not noted until the end of the first day. They returned to Jerusalem a day's journey, and on the third day found Jesus in the temple courts interacting with the teachers of the law. Those listening were astounded that a 12-year-old would have such insight regarding God's revelation to Israel. Jesus' response to Mary and Joseph's concern revealed his understanding of his mission. Now, some had said, you know, his, his response responses. You know, because he was like, you know, what am I? What am I supposed to be doing? I'm supposed to be about my father's business, and people have taken that disrespectfully. No, he wasn't being disrespectful at all. Amen. Not at all. He was. He was revealing at that point his purpose. Uh-huh. He was, and his parents knew that there was that who he was, but there was there was a growth process in there in the early stages, and so at that point he was basically, I guess, you, stamping, stapling. Here it is. Okay. Yes, this is what I'm here to do. You know what I'm here to do. Let's go. So this is really where it got started, and this is where it began uh, for his life. It says, yet he returned to Nazareth, where he grew uh, normally, and the favor of God and man were upon his life. The faithfulness of Joseph and Mary is a powerful example for Christians. And so him also, too, being um, at the age of 12 years old, we also see that that was where, culturally, where they perceived Mary to have been an adult. She was the flower of youth she's coming into her own. Culturally, that's when they accepted adulthood. It's also the same age that Jesus began to debate and begin to talk because then it was acceptable. They understood it. They were like, oh, you know, this is amazing, though, that this guy is so young, because that's what they said. They said, it's amazing that he's that young. but you gotta recognize the age because at that age, that's culturally they recognize them as growing up. That's the growing up phase, getting older and, and uh, mo- uh, establishing themselves. It's, it's much different now though. I mean, I wanna say something real quick. It's, it's much different now. If you ever looked at the, and I, I always go on about statistics, but this is really an interesting statistic. Going back, back, now this is thousands of years. Let's go back hundreds of years and look at, look at the t- age that they started their families look at the way that people start their families now and the age increases increases and I'm talking I'm not talking about responsible people I'm not yeah. talking about people with a game plan uh-huh. I'm talking about what's interesting is is that they 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 keep doing they, they stay there they're 18 20 22 24 26 and they they're still doing the same thing here they were starting their families at 14 15 and they were kicking them out in the late 1800s when they had farms the kids would go off and start farms at 14 15 years of age think about that think about the responsibility that's on their shoulders and that was common that was normal now today I mean it's not uncommon for me to go in and see 35 year old still living with the parents Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this normal? Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> statistically speaking, I'm talking about statistically speaking. that's And, and keep in mind, keep it, let's keep it in the right framework. I'm talking about that we're seeing a, a pattern of people with no responsibility that don't want to be responsible for anything. How, you know how many, and, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but do you know how many grandparents I see today raising yes. grandchildren, grandchildren. Amen. and it's like what's going on here now some people would be offended by that they say oh, I can't believe you'd say something like that they got to someone's got to take care of them. absolutely mm-hmm. but something's wrong yes yeah, something's wrong in our society when the grandparents the responsible ones the ones actually have come from some roots and some some places that have made them the kind of responsible people that they are have to raise kids twice it's not right it shouldn't be that way. And I understand tragedies happen and things happen. Absolutely. It's not what I'm referring to. I'm Amen. referring to there's something going on when people started their families in this day at 12 and 14 years of age. And today we're seeing a dramatic shift mm-hmm. in the other Amen. direction. People don't want to be responsible for anything anymore, let alone raising children.
1: Well, I'll try to hurry.
2: Just, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And,
1: and this first part here, it's got a question there. So what are some of the events that are projects? Uh, that you have planned in your uh, or or help plan in your life. And when I first got saved, I started uh, going with churches uh, for a church ministry mm-hmm. right, for the the uh, nursing home ministries. Right. Yeah. And all I done was uh, testify and sing.
4: Yeah.
1: A- and that was enough for me for about then. Sure. But uh, later on, God changed it. hmm You know, and it was uh, it was a little different and then a little later it was a little more different right and then finally i was called to to preach the gospel mm-hmm. and, uh, and i didn't know where god was leading me but i knew that i didn't know enough about the bible to learn.
2: right yeah and absolutely I, and i stayed in
1: it for a long time and i'm still in it still learning but uh
0: yeah that uh, would,
1: always praise god it, it uh i didn't plan all this but it just worked out yeah and, god only uh, knows what he's doing and uh I never thought that I'd even be in front of people you know preaching the word or even talking me neither but uh, <laughs> uh, it worked out and uh, God blessed and, it, and it's got a question down here uh, uh, what are some of the events you project in your life planned or hip planned in your life you, you might start it out with a little plan and it may grow and grow and grow yeah. until your ministry is is really uh, preaching the word of God, and and uh, and you have to know the word to preach it. You do. You better know the word. You better to preach know it. it. Thank because you, Jim. If you preach it wrong, then you're 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 held accountable, accountable man. And uh, uh, I don't know; it all worked out. And uh, I didn't ever think that I'd even be in a in a uh,
2: organization. Well, I mean, and you think about it, Jim. I mean, you've got. Uh, a history of of that you talk about when you first got saved you got a history of that you know and that's that in itself Jim is a testimony to uh, to encourage people you know you put together quite a resume yeah. of of things that God has taken you through brought you through and that you've accomplished in ministry other people can't say they've done okay. and I think that's that's awesome man I appreciate I don't want that to go away from what what you started out with with no uh, go ahead go
3: ahead the kids and raising of the kids. yeah I basically uh, me and my brother were somewhat raised by sisters and mm-hmm. uh, foster families and grandparents. And uh, there's something to say about that. Mm-hmm. Now, I do say in the, in the 70s and the 80s, something changed yes. because those, the people that are adults now they're wreaking that from which they're the adult and now they're raising their grandkids. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it, it wasn't like, unfortunately, the situation was totally different, I believe, in, in what was my situation. Mm-hmm. But today, those people's not in prison and stuff. Those people are just lazy, disrespectful,
2: not, and, and that's what I'm referring to yeah not, not
3: that's not it. not no no respect no for their self more or less a child that they brought into the world it's 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 a shame it is that we we as not just Christians but as a as a society has just grasped that and went along with it, it it's
2: yeah yeah there's there's a which I have a lot of opinions about what happened, and I agree with you. Something happened. Um, but, you know, the, the the main thing that I always go back to is it comes back down to a spiritual problem. It's still a spiritual issue. People having spiritual problems. I'm not saying that, that when you have a life with Christ that everything goes smoothly, because we know that it don't. But I do not by any means believe that we would be in the state that we're in today as a country if People had given their hearts to God, there would be direction. There would be things that are here, there are, that would not be here, that are here. They're just, things would be totally different. Uh, and I think growing away from God and growing away from those things comes right back down to the point that I made before. We've unpacked this nation to want the morals of God, but not God. We want His stuff and His blessings and all the good stuff, but we don't want Him. And I think that's a problem. Amen. Well, I just think
4: that. Uh, It's just natural. People are lazy. And what you started out talking about, about listening to other people and what they're saying and not, uh, you not reading the Bible and studying the word, it's your responsibility for you, not the preacher or priest or whoever you're listening to or the news or whatever. Because Satan's in there Mm
1: -hmm. and
4: he's, he's in everything. And that, and that's the problem. We don't think that we—it's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. We're just lazy. Uh, well, so and so said this, and and it goes on and on. And that's where we, why we've been up that the
2: way we have. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think it's—I would go even so far to say that I don't even—I th- I think that people are not even—they don't even view it as a responsibility anymore. Yeah. You know, it—it it, may be yeah. one thing if they yeah. view it as a responsibility that someone else can take mm-hmm. up. I don't even think they view it as a responsibility anymore. It's almost like. It's dubbed as being worthless. Yeah. It's just like, why are you even doing it? Of course not. Of course I'm not going to do that. Of course I'm not going to pick up my Bible. and, Of course I'm not going to come to church. Why, why are you even doing it? So that's the kind of view that I, and I agree with you yeah. completely. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really have gotten corrupted. Okay, let's keep moving. I enjoy the conversation. We just keep talking, so it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Part two, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, had a prophetic ministry that included the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He challenged heres to repent and turn from their sinful ways. Jesus was baptized by John, which aligned him in his, uh, with his people. So baptism had to happen. It had to happen because he was, you got to understand why he was doing this, he was to line himself up with what John the Baptist was doing. Jesus' baptism was not the result of personal forgiveness as Jesus was and is sinless. Well, you just go back to the content and look at what actually happened. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, the, the baptism was the anointing, and then here comes the Holy Spirit and it equips him for ministry, and that's when he begins his ministry. And so there, there was a, um, was, how do I say this? It was the, the symbolism behind it. It, it wasn't the, the type of symbolism that you would see everything else, else like, a oh, washing away of the sin. No, that wasn't the symbolism here. The symbolism here was the anointing. Because the anointing come on him at that baptism. And that's when he was empowered. That's when he went into the wilderness. So you can see things beginning to begin here for his ministry. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. The, when, when you Let's said that, that, what, what came to my
3: mind right right then was that the fact that he got baptized, but he wanted that also to be something that we do. Mm-hmm. And, and saying you know that the new man is reborn again yeah you know we, we have to make sure that we're we're uh, we're right with God and that that is also part of the if you call it a deal but that's you know your, your salvations first and then the next step is trying to get your life right but you also got to repent which means repent also means to be baptized. I don't think we need to not have that as a uh, not a I don't call it a tool or what you want to, but Mm -hmm. it is part
2: of Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's and, and and let's clarify that too. It's definitely a symbolism and an act that I believe must remain. I don't believe it is in connection with your salvation. Let me make sure I separate yes. that because I've been, in, I've had that conversation before. People said, "Well, you're not saved until you get baptized." I disagree with that. Totally disagree with that. Amen. I, I don't believe that's correct. Uh, the salvation is by Jesus in, the, in His death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. Me accepting amen. Him. Free. I believe that that's free. it's free. Baptism is an act of it. Yes, exactly. That's, that's, that's the next obvious step. I want to be baptized as a symbol, an open display, for uh, for what I have, what has happened in my heart. Amen. That's what I want to do. So, absolutely, I think that's great. Good, good. Well, if you, piece if there. You, uh, if you could be saved by by water baptism and Jesus, <laughs>
1: <Right. that tie laughs> yeah.
2: on the cross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what would be the use exactly? Yeah. Well, it comes back down to Jim. It comes down to works, because because yeah. if if we think that we can do a particular thing act. and mm-hmm. act. Then, it's, then we're, we're, we're uh, taking the power away from the resurrection.
1: Can I go back to the question? Yeah, go ahead. No, it's fine. It says here, how should I, we react when God works in ways we do not understand? Yeah. And I, I wrote down here, pray for understanding. Mm-hmm. We got to stand upon God's word. And yeah. We have to pray that God will give us understanding and knowledge and wisdom <coughs> to work out this. Mm -hmm. And I think that God gave uh, them the wisdom that they needed. Yes. Both of them. I believe so. To work this out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, very good. Good. Okay. Um, Jesus was praying, and a supernatural revelation of God occurred as he prayed. The heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended, and the voice of the Father affirmed Jesus as the Son of God. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, symbolized by a dove, identified Jesus as the one who saved people from their sins. Thus, the three persons of the Godhead, the Trinity are clearly seen. If I'm not mistaken, this is one of the only places, other than in the, other than in Genesis, when he says, let us make man, us make man in our image, we understand that that that's the Godhead, that's the Trinity speaking there. In this particular instance, we also see the Trinity. We see God the Father, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. We have the Son here on earth, and then we have the holy spirit descending upon jesus it's one of the most beautiful scenes to see the godhead now and this is where we get because people always argue about the trinity you know it's three but one but then there's you got some that are on this side of the oneness and then you got this side that are on the the the, the three this is distinct three individuals three and so if you want to lean to one side, of, or if you ask me, what side are you leaning to? Well, they're definitely one, but you can distinctly see the three here.
1: Yes, There's I no do. denying that. Through and the they Spirit. say, well,
2: yeah, through, the, through Spirit, the Spirit, exactly. Yeah. So, so you can see them here. God is not speaking um, to uh, the ether. He's speaking to His Son. He said, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Explain that. It's distinct, it's different, it's separate. And so, uh, they are three, but they are one. It's completely one accord between the three of them. So, um, let's keep moving. Um, after his baptism, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for a time of testing. Um, I wish I had time to really talk about that. Um, because anytime time there's, and this is really hard to explain, anytime time there is growth in your life spiritually, it is going to also be connected with the time of testing. Yeah. Amen. Every time. I don't believe by looking at the Bible and looking at the flow of things that happen throughout God's Word that there is an argument that we can grow without being in testing. I don't think it's possible. I don't think that you're floating. And I, now, now, let me say, let me say this. It's, it's one thing to pick up God's word. The, word. the word of God says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I pick up the word, I read it, I garner faith, right? Mm-hmm. I learn things, I learn things. There were things that I learned on a, from, the, from the word of God, and then when I actually went through something, then I got it. I was like, okay, then I, that makes perfect sense now, because I really understand it. I mean, there were things God would revelate to me, and, I, and, and it was great. But then you go through things Amen. and they change you and they change your perspective and, and they, they change the way you believe and they change, they mold you and make you. And so when we're talking about a time of testing, God will allow things to happen to you so you can grow. Yes. It's got to happen. And, and, and so I don't think that we can expect to float around and everything is just great. And if, especially if we're looking at Jesus as our theme, if we're going to look at Jesus as the, as the theme and as the, as the front runner for how is life going to be, look what happened to him, look what he had to go through, look at some of the great men of God had to go through, and then how can I explain away that it would be any different for me? If you want more of God, he, he's ready to give it to you, but it also comes with a price.
1: We have to be careful of the questions we ask God. You'll answer. Yeah. Well. As I, yep. I asked a question one time. God, how does how does somebody like this that I, I was looking upon and knew for a long time how could uh, they get up to preaching the word and then fall? Yeah. And, and uh, God, oh, I wish i never asked that question. Right. <laughs> I found out how <laughs> could do it. Yeah. And, and God, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, that's good. Uh,
2: you got to be careful what you ask God. You he, he will let you know it. He will. If you asked him, he gonna he's going to answer you. He's going to answer you. All right. Uh, sustained by the Spirit, during his 40 days of fasting, uh, Jesus gained a victory over the devil. The anointing of the Spirit empowered Jesus for the beginning of his ministry. Okay, now I'm going to make a quick example, too, because it speaks of fasting here, 40-day fasting. And so there's a lot of attention that this gets. Um, especially when, when Jesus, when the disciples couldn't cast out uh, a particular demon. And it says, this cometh out only by prayer and fasting. And so there's been a lot of debate. People have this idea that sometimes fasting is required to do certain spiritual things. Let me, let me clear this up real quick. I want to make sure that we understand this there's, You could go to one side or another because there's a real fine line here. If you could fast, and I've heard this before, I've heard people say, well, you know, we, fa- I, I, we fasted for our revival. Okay? But fasting is for you, and it's between you and God. I've seen a lot of scenarios over the years where people fast to force the hand of God. Almost like it's like a uh, like a formulation. Like, we're close to God, but if we really want to see things happen, we fast. It's not true. Because if that was the case, then everybody would do it to force God's hand and see great things happen. It's like, if you want to see miracles, just fast for seven days. It's not the way it works. And when it comes to the authority of Christ, Christ's name doesn't need any help in the spirit realm as far as authority goes. It, it doesn't need it. So you think, well, you know, I need a couple. I need Jesus' name, and then I need to bring in this little thing over here, and then I need to bring this little thing over here, and then it equals like a super spirit power. No. Jesus' name stands alone as the ultimate authority in the spirit realm. You and I may not know how to properly use it. We may not have enough faith garnered. but you, see, you have to look at, you go back to that story, and I'm sorry to get off track, but I really wanted to say something about this because I think a lot of people... I've even heard Christians today talking about that. They're talking about, you know, I'm I'm fasting to see a great move of God. You're not going to push God into anything by something you do. Fasting is a breaking down of yourself to become more submissive to God. It's to break your flesh down. It's so you can can garner new things from God. But it doesn't. Fasting doesn't. It's like fasting plus church service equals awesome. No, it doesn't work like that. I've seen a lot of disappointed people. I'm saying this because I've seen a lot of disappointed people over the years that have fasted for seven days and had come up to the revival time, and they were like, "Man, it's expected more than that. I fasted. So what? Did you think that you think that you pressed the fast button and that was going to just catapult God onto the scene once again? If we could manipulate God with our actions, then it would be on you, not him.
1: Well, I, uh, Pastor got one day. And he said, I'm, "I'm gonna get you to." Uh, I said, "I'm not gonna tell you how to fast or what to fast about." He said, "But you pick out one thing in your life that you're having a problem with, and you fast on." And Absolutely. Ask God to help you. Yeah. And uh, right then, <laughs> I was knowing that that sugar was killing me, mm. and I hadn't That's done good. nothing about it. I asked God. I said, "God, I said, i, I just just fast this this five days, and and." Uh, I said, I'm not going to eat no sugar. Uh, and I drank a lot of sugar in my car, a co- little bit of coffee in my sugar. but <laughs> Anyway, uh, I quit that. And, uh, you know, God, God helped me through that. And I don't drink no sugar in my coffee now.
2: Yeah, uh, good. Wow, that's uh, that's fantastic. Jimmy, you're bringing out actually the, the, the real reason behind that fasting that we, we use to get closer to God and to break the flesh down. That's the whole purpose of fasting, is to break the flesh down. If you, if, you, if you look at it from another, if you think about it like a formula, if you start looking at it like it's a magic trick, like, you know, I want, I want God here, so I'm going to fast. Your motives are wrong. Your, mo- your motives are off. And so I'm saying that because there are a lot of people that t- today, they still think they're going to force the hand of God through a fast. Fasting is fantastic, but you got to use it in the right way. You've got to have the right motives you got to have the right reasoning. And you have got to already have wanted to be close to God to begin with. If you were just kind of floating along, you said, I'm going to fast, and we're going to just see some great stuff, it's probably not going to happen. You're probably going to be upset. probably going to be disappointed. The miraculous formula. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and going back real quick, the disciples, if you'll actually research that, the, the disciples were getting off track with what they were doing. They were getting off track. They were getting off... It was starting to become so easy and so normal to them that they were approaching this situation uh, casually. And God was saying, "You ain't taking serious enough. You're, you're not, you're not in it. You're, you're, you're kind of out here and you're thinking that it's just all going to fall into place. It doesn't work that way. You got to be serious about what you do." So I, th- there's, there's a lot of research there to do. Okay, um, and Jesus' participation in the religious. Uh, life of Judaism is marked in his hometown of Nazareth by his reading from Isaiah 61 1-2 through 2, and proclaiming that he was the ful- fulfillment of that prophecy. The long awaited Messiah, the anointed one, was now publicly revealed. Okay, I'm finishing up. In Luke 4, Jesus went to Capernaum, the home of several of his disciples. On the Sabbath, he was in the synagogue teaching when his authority was tested by a demoniac who identified Jesus and demanded to be left alone. Jesus demonstrated his authority by delivering the man. As Jesus ministered in Galilee, he came under scrutiny from the Pharisees and teachers of the law. The Pharisees, responsible for preserving Judaism after the destruction of the temple, had become increasingly legalistic. The teachers of the law, probably also Pharisees, were the experts in the law. A paralyzed man's friends had faith in the authority of Jesus to heal, and they demonstrated that faith by lowering him to Jesus through the roof. He declared the man forgiven, then commanded him to stand, take up his mat, and go home. The claim. To forgive sins, something easily verbalized, was confirmed by healing, something obviously miraculous. What authority Jesus displayed. Absolutely. But let me say something here about the way that Jesus healed, but there's something else going on here because a lot of times when people would come in with a physical ailment, he didn't say, your sin's forgiven. He just healed them. You think, the lesson kind of kind of the way that it says it, I don't want to leave you with this idea that forgiveness has to come first. It's not true. It wasn't the theme. Forgiveness does not have to come first before you get a miraculous healing. There have been people miraculously healed and then they got saved. Uh-huh. Amen. <coughs> Jesus did this often. And so what this says, though, is that when he said his sins be forgiven, it's that this man, this indicates that this man Also knew he had need of something else. Jesus perceived it. He knew it. Uh Jesus was all about always saying things that he knew what was going on inside of them. He knew this man was just not here for healing. He was here for something else. Uh And so that's powerful. That's powerful. But I don't want you to go away and you look at this and you think, okay, I got it. Once again, going back to formula. Going back to a formula. People kind of caught up in these formulas. Got to be saved first. Then you get the healing. And then you get this. I've I've heard this actually taught, where family members have told other family members, if you get saved, you can get your healing. I'm like, you're surely not going to get them into church now, <laughs> because now you're going to be now you want to be now you want to be saved for the wrong reason, right? So if it was if it was formulaistic like that, you could see everybody would be coming to Christ for the wrong reasons. They'd be saying, I want to get saved so I can get healed of this. Or deliver to this it's it's a personal one-on-one relationship between you and him you you hear me say this often it's about you and him personal relationship and if we get outside of that and we start thinking formulaistically and we start thinking that this plus this equals this it doesn't it doesn't god is god is a living god he's alive so he doesn't need formulas it's just you and him so we come to him and you need a healing he'll heal you he'll deliver you Whatever, what, whatever you need, he's he's there to to provide that. Um, so, but there was something much more going on in this uh, particular circumstance than just needing a healing. Okay, so I've run out of time. I've run, I went overtime. i I apologize. We need to shut this uh, down. Um, and um, God bless you guys. Good time. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you Jesus.